0: Good morning, I'm Clancy Maloney, Chairman of the uh, Aviation Advisory Board, and I'd like to call this meeting to order. Scott will tell us what the rules of the meeting are, and then I have a few things to say. Scott?
1: Yeah, good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Wagner. I'm the Lawrence Airport Manager. And welcome to this uh, special December 4th meeting of the Aviation Advisory Board. And I just have a few housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. City staff and aviation board members will be in person at City Hall. Virtual participation is allowed for any participant, including staff and the public. Live public comment can be made in person at City Hall or virtually using the Zoom link. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. If you are on Zoom, please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled and all chats will go directly to me. When the chair calls for in-person public comment, individuals should indicate if they wish to speak, and staff will direct you to the podium. Individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate that they wish to speak, and please state your name before speaking. Comments will be limited to uh, to three minutes. The city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. And now I'll turn the meeting back over to our board chair, Clancy Maloney.
0: Good morning again, everybody. Um, First of all, I would like to remind anybody who has a microphone in front of them to move it close to their mouth, because otherwise people in the back row can't hear you. (laughs) So um, we're here today to hear proposals from, um, well, initially to hear proposals from Eurotech and uh, Dream Aviation. Eurotech has opted not to make their presentation today. So, the first thing we'll do is go to public comment, and that will be limited to any items not on the agenda. Is there any public comment? Okay. In that case, we are ready for Dream Aviation.
2: I'll hook this up.
0: And please give us your name so we know who you are.
2: (laughs) We're hooking this up. I'm Titus Spencer.
3: real quick let me get started so um, I think most of you have met me from the past I've been coming to this these meetings for a couple years now Uh, we've been talking about this project for um, a few years there's been some development since the last few times we met so Dream Aviation have grown quite a bit over the last couple years and Titus is my uh, chief uh, (coughs) operating officer and chief pilot for the operation so he's going to be presenting our plans for the Lawrence airport okay so Scott yeah on this agenda where where do I need to click I'm ready to... okay perfect oh, I didn't want to
4: interrupt you um, okay um, Kurt rebooted it first tab.
5: the first tab okay
3: that's not the one
4: that's not the right Mm -hmm. presentation no okay sorry oh i'm sorry yes
3: that one right here yep
6: sorry
0: yeah no you're good (laughs) there we go yeah it's d i don't know let's see Not pulling
7: that option.
4: Well,
5: Try, try now. There
4: we go. Okay, and there we go. Is it sharing, Kurt? Yeah. Okay. I'll get out of the way.
2: All right, so like Chen said, I'm uh, part of Dream Aviation. My name's Titus Spencer. We've got a lot of good things going here. Today, we've got uh, our presentation, and we're going to have Michael Long also talk here in a little bit, and Warren Peck, uh, part of our operation we're partnering up with. So starting out our proposal for the Lawrence Airport here, um, our objective. You know, we're looking for a, long, a long-term lease with the city of Lawrence um, for quite a, quite a few different opportunities. The first being um, hangar space, uh, aircraft maintenance repair with an MRO, uh, airplane sales, and then the cosmetic with interior paint uh, refurbishing of the aircrafts. So um, working with our partners, I think we can bring this into the Lawrence Airport and uh, really uh, grow it in a a, a big way. Uh, Phase one, as you can see, um, this is our initial plan that we had put. There's a few uh, changes that may be in place, but the building itself is not going to be any changes. Then That's this area. Uh, right in here um, Phase one would be the construction of a 20,000 square foot hangar, you know, this is um going to allow us to get in bigger aircraft such as a Falcon 7x which is a large body airplane or multiple uh, smaller airplanes such as citations um, we're kind of focused towards the uh, jet side of things uh, which uh, this hangar will also give us allow us to have a showroom for the sales department to you know uh, get get people to come in and see what we have. Um, Additionally, right beside the 20,000-square-foot hangar would be a 5,000-square-foot building just adjacent to it, and that will allow us to have our office space that Dream Aviation will need and also would be available for clients that uh, um, will be coming in and Uh, Of course with this uh, office space and um, hangar you know that would give allow the city to have access to it as needed as well Um, phase one with a hangar rental being a pilot for the last 20 years in the Kansas City area I can tell you that hangar space is in desperate need we uh, have airplanes that um, or in two or three different locations at the time because, as you can see here, a 2021 survey, 70% of aircraft bought is on a six-month or two-year waiting list. And I know of airplanes that are ba- currently based in Wichita that are owners in Kansas City just because there's nowhere to put them, you know. It's uh, uh, a very in high, high demand here. So if we can get a hangar built, we can definitely have this thing filled up you know, before the completion of the Phase 1 here. Um, We'll also be adding the hangar management division uh, development, which will actually help us utilize every square foot of this hangar because we will definitely need it. When it comes to the tenants and the leases, Chin, you got something? If I can add something real quick to uh, Phase 1 tenant, hangar
3: space, obviously it's very clear hangar spaces is very, very difficult to find, extremely difficult. Um, downtown Kansas City typically it's about a recently it's been about a five year wait to get some decent hangar space for larger aircrafts so one of the things we also want to do is besides just having hang- hangar space in our new hangar we want to properly divide that where we can do some maintenance and cosmetics and simple type of jobs before we move on to phase two which Titus will cover here shortly so that hangar is going to be a multi-purpose hangar not just for storage um, we want to make sure that we have staff to take care of the maintenance for um, a lot of these planes that are going to be hangered in that, in that location. One of the things that we're super excited about which Warren Peck, one of our partners, is going to cover with you guys, he's, uh, he is a current very successful MRO oper- uh, operator out of Bartlesville, Oklahoma. He works on um, mid to large size jets and even smaller jets so in the kansas city market what we notice is there's no mro that we know of that can handle uh jet maintenance there's a lot of small aircraft maintenance shops uh, like in johnson county uh, for and lawrence airport like hetrick air but for larger jets there's no um you know no shop that can handle those aircraft so warren that's why we're bringing warren and his company as partners in this venture, so we can provide that service in the market. Like today, if 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 anybody that uh, has a jet in the Kansas City market, and there's major maintenance that needs to be done, they're flying to Denver, they're flying to Texas, they're flying to <laughs> Oklahoma, they're flying to St. Louis. Um, so I think there's a huge demand for a jet aircraft maintenance operation here in our market in Kansas. So just wanted to jump in real quick. That hangar is going to be used for a lot of different reasons, a lot of different uh, tasks um, until we get
2: our phase two going. And not only with convenience of being local, but it's the cost of the operation on an average jet of this size is you know you can figure close to five thousand dollars an hour to operate so to move that two hours each way you know you've got about twenty thousand dollars in just moving the airplane without the you know the cycles on the airplane as well so being local that's a that would be a big draw for people to you know um, bring it in here to lawrence and there's plenty of airplanes around that uh, need maintenance going on with the tenants and the leases it's kind of um, this is pretty typical what the tenants would have um, uh, upfront we'd get a one year or a, a one month lease agreement and then we'll offer a long-term uh, lease agreement to VIP customers maybe at a discounted rate but uh, um, basically that would be uh, the tenants and leases will be the same as you know any other hangar uh, nothing nothing real. Um, new here, but it's uh, the MRO is what we're excited about bringing in with the aircraft sales. Aircraft sales is kind of, you know, our our sweet spot right now. You know, that's where we're given a lot of our attention to and we're partnering that up with michael long that came in today he's from scottsdale arizona um, he'll come up here in just a second but michael long's been a pilot a corporate pilot and has over seventeen thousand hours of flying himself um, he's got a couple years experience in the air ambulance uh, I think he handed out some brochures to people when he came in here. He's currently um, owner director of aircraft sales of Global Jet Partners, and he also is the founder of Wings of Humanity. And this is somebody we partnered up with for the last couple of years to, you know, get started. And um, at this time, I think we'll let Michael come up and talk about Global Jets.
8: Good morning. Uh, my name is Michael Long, and as Titus said, uh, I'm CEO and founder of a company called Global Jet Partners based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, my background is I've got uh, 45 years in the aviation industry, uh, corporate aviation exclusively. Um, I'm a 17,000-hour pilot. I founded uh, two different aircraft charter companies Um, because of that was involved in the air ambulance industry for several years. Um, Global Jet Partners is an aircraft sales and uh, uh, company brokerage. Um, I have offices in Southern California and in Singapore as well as in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, Interested in moving my sales operation here to Lawrence uh, and basing it in the new hangar. Um, Been working with Chin uh, for over three years now. And uh, we partner up and buy aircraft for inventory, uh, fix them up, resell them, uh, do trades. Uh, It's all exclusively turbine aircraft. Uh, Back in 2018, I had envisioned uh, the need for a Children's Air Ambulance Service that would provide transportation for critically ill children uh, who otherwise wouldn't have insurance or the ability to pay to have them move from uh, children's specialty hospitals for surgery or other treatment they might need. So I founded a uh, 501c3 charity, a nonprofit Arizona corporation, and that's called Wings of Humanity. Uh, we've been in business now for five years four and a half years and uh, raised the a little over a million and a half dollars. Uh, have operate one jet aircraft, a Falcon 100, that's been converted or can be converted for uh, children's air ambulance flights. And uh, looking forward to also basing our aircraft and operation here in Lawrence. And one of the reasons is because it's centrally located in the U.S., makes it easy for us to service hospitals around the country. Um, looking to grow that operation into kind of from a, a regional operation we are now to a national or even international operation. So we envision having four or five aircraft, uh, probably two or three based here, maintaining the aircraft here, and uh, also operating our aircraft sales division um, and uh, doing refurbishment and that type of thing. So. Uh, I don't know if you have any questions for me. I did leave a couple of brochures on the operation for uh, Wings of Humanity. um, And uh, we've probably flown about uh, 20 sick children up till now. Uh, I have a lot more demand than I have available uh, donor dollars. (laughs) And uh, so looking to grow that, to raise more money, and continue to expand.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Does anybody have questions you, that looked like you had one, Greg?
6: So for sales and for two to three aircraft wings for humanity, how much of the 20,000 square foot hangar would you be using?
8: I would anticipate that we would have at least two, if not three, jets based there. And that, but the size of jet that we would use would be a Cessna Citation Five, the Falcon 100. Uh, so a 20,000 square foot hangar would, you know, house seven, eight, nine of those size airplanes. So I would say we would absolutely take a, a third of the of the hangar and probably a good third of the office space as well. So one between one third and a half. Mm-hmm. Correct.
0: Okay. And, Tim, this will be for you from me. Um, if you're going to have maintenance and hangar rental for, like, some of the based aircraft, hmm uh that seems like an awful small space for MRO work and Well, phase, to, yeah, to eight, peak. Eight, phase yeah, phase
8: 1 is a, is the start. I mean, we actually, we really know that we need to have uh, phase 2 and that we need to uh, grow our footprint to the larger hangar, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, double the hangar sizes pretty quickly. What's
0: the time frame on phase 1 versus so, phase 2?
3: That's a good question. <laughs> so, 2 years ago when we got started, um, You know, we wanted to get one hangar built as soon as possible with the office space so we can start cash flowing, right? And then the goal was immediately after going to phase two. Since the last two years, there's been some development, there's some other interest for the same land that we've been talking about for the last two years, which I'm sure most of you guys know. So, it really depends on how all of that pans out and how quick we can start phase two to be 100% honest. (coughs) that land is available like it was two years ago, uh, um, we would be probably, <laughs> we'd be probably starting phase two as phase one is getting built out. So um, right now it's kind of up in the air of how soon can we get phase two started. The answer to that would be the moment the land lease is available and the land is available for us for a second hangar, uh, possibly a bigger hangar, uh, we're ready to break ground. Okay, others? Hopefully that answers the question. Carrie? Yeah. This oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
9: No, just more of a question for Clancy. Is this the time to answer, like, all questions, or are we? Sure, I think so. Oh, I guess my question might just be more again I am new to the board so sorry if all this stuff has been talked no. about before but can you just kind of back up in a little bit and tell me who exactly is Dream Aviation you know I know we got a little bit at the beginning beginning but yeah I'm still just trying to catch
3: yeah. up to, to that so, so Dream Aviation started about three three and a half years ago and i had been dreaming of buying and selling aircraft for 10 plus years prior to that so I bought my first aircraft with Titus's help back in the day, or three years ago, um, and, and bought it seven, eight months later. Sold it, and then I bought multiple planes and did the same thing. So then I, during a transaction, I met with uh, met Mike um, about three years back also, and. Um, his buying and selling was a little different style than what I was doing, which was buy it, um, aircrafts that are under the maintenance schedule and bring them up to speed, re, uh, get the avionics up to spec, interior, exterior, uh, more of an expensive project. So I dabbled <coughs> in two aircrafts with Mike back to back and worked out really well. And since then, we've done several, several transactions on, on the buying and selling side. Now. From there, it's kind of morphed into what it is today uh, or the last year and a half or so, close to two years, we are like, okay, well, we need a base of operation to run our sales operation, and then we realized the demand for other parts of the aviation business in Kansas City, MRO, uh, turbine MRO operation, aircraft management operation, Um, so Dream Aviation is, is, is a full-scale aviation operator. That's what we want to be. Currently, we don't have dedicated space in order to grow to that level, hence why we started these conversations with you guys about a year and a half to two years ago. Does that answer your question?
8: Yeah. Do you know do they know your background and in, in the local community already? I do
9: not, so okay. if you wouldn't mind giving it as well. Again, sorry, new guy here.
3: So I came to Lawrence back in two thousand eleven. So I started the local Kia dealership um, with seven employees. And um, I don't know if you go down 23rd or not, but we're on the east side. Mm -hmm. And started the Kia Kia franchise um, in 2011, September was when I first got my, when I got my license to sell. And prior to that I've been in the car business since 2007. So started the company with seven employees and fast forward to today we have, I own five franchises, two body shops. transmission shop and a lot of you guys probably know Brian's collision center out of Lawrence been here for 20 years Mike uh, Mike Brian and I are very good friends because um, it's he, he happens to be right by the Kia store so ended up getting into that business and we'll talk about that a little bit too because that's going to be brought into the aviation side as a matter of fact it's currently part of or doing things for the aviation side um, such as cosmetic work and, and and paint work and things like that so um... Fast forward today, I mean, 300 plus employees, 15 different companies, awesome partnerships. So um, I feel like I've, I've kind of done what I need to do in the car business and, and, and looking forward to this aviation chapter um, in our enterprise, my life and our partners. So um, that's a little bit about my background. So been in Lawrence since uh, 2011 and um, looking forward to continue to help you know, on the airport side, aviation side, hopefully we can grow it to something much bigger and one day turn turn Lawrence Airport into some type of international airport. So that's that's kind of my passion um, with the aviation side.
9: Yeah. Okay. I, one more quick question, Clancy. Um As far as the first phase for this first hangar that's being built, I know you guys talked about, again, the need in the area, but do we know how many Lawrence residents will have aircraft hangered in that hangar? or you have any idea of how much will be local versus how many will be?
3: You know, um, I think currently um, the current hangar space that is available, and uh, there there's plenty of space for smaller aircraft operators to have space. Um, if our space becomes available, or their space within the within the, uh, within the hangars that are available to local you know tenants we have no restriction to 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 that we want to make sure it's available for everybody cuz more people we have as tenant better for business right sure. so we we have no no issue with having um, any having it open to the Lawrence public or local local tenants now the goal is obviously get phase 1 going hangar stocked phase 2 and on and on, right? Because there's plenty of plenty of space available to continue to grow based on the master plan that we've been reviewing. So, we 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 don't want to just stop at phase one or phase two. We we want to continue to grow it um, <coughs> as much as the business supports it.
6: Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, this is uh, Greg Gardner again. I think one of the reasons he's asking that is. If my memory serves, we have over 30 people waiting list for local... Precisely. ...airplanes. So that's part of why
1: he's asking.
3: 30 them. people waiting for... Hangar for space? Hangar, hangar space. space. Yes.
1: That would be just for, for T-hangers. t oh, tea hangers. You know, Small, piston-driven aircraft. I gotcha. So
3: not not big jet...
1: I, I don't currently put anybody uh, on my list that has a big jet, because we don't have a an hangar to to offer them, you know, so, yeah, sure. yeah. so yeah, I do have about 35 people on, looking for tea hangers. Yeah. Got it, got it.
0: Okay. I, have, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, it says on your slide there that there is <coughs> a partnership with Bryant Collision Center for paint support. Correct. Cars are a whole lot different from airplanes.
3: Believe it or not, planes are easier than cars. Which uh, is what not we've...
0: in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, our guys have. So, painted. I want to know about that because so that our guys have requires painted. a lot of uh, detailed knowledge.
3: Yeah. So, so, if you get into. Um, Paint, complete strip and paint, yes, you're absolutely right. It's a lot more complicated. But as far as doing touch-up, we've done six or seven aircrafts uh, so far. And um, we've got more and more people want us to do it. Um, As a matter of fact, we did some uh, work for Mike. We did some work for Doug Compton. And um, smaller jobs is what we're going to be able to handle with phase one. And part of phase two, to get into a big um, uh, paint operation like you you see at West Star or Duncan, we're going to need dedicated hangers to do that. And yeah, you're, you're you're right. So so small jobs, absolutely, we can handle no problem. We've done it before. Um, as a matter of fact, we're currently doing one now. So in, in discussions with doing five other jets, small jobs, um, a, a up at the uh, New Century Airport, which is where we're, we're based out of now. So you're absolutely right. Trying to do a big you know, full strip and paint type deal, yeah, you need a lot more, lot more uh, dedicated hey, and space. And
0: this is all on the OK with the FAA, that this is being done by
3: which guys. Parts? What are you talking about?
0: Well, th- I know that there are regulations about how an airplane is returned to service after this kind of work. Yes. Especially the whole strip down. I've had, I've been through that with my airplane. Correct. So I'm curious about how it's supervised and that kind of thing. Doesn't That's that a- require um, airframe and power plant people and specialized knowledge of this kind of thing? Correct. Warren
7: can address that. Yes, Warren, you can
3: come yeah, on
0: please.
7: up to address that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> this is hard pack with uh, Phoenix Rising. Thank you, Jim. Thank
7: you. Yeah, like I said, my name is Warren Peck. I am the owner and operator of an MRO. That's a term we keep throwing out: maintenance repair organization. Well, technically, what I am is a FAA certified repair station, one, uh, 145. And um, we have been at the Bartlesville Airport since 2005. And we work on just the jet airplanes. I own a couple small planes for fun, and there's a lot. Of, it's great to do that, but it's the jet aircraft that make us money. And bring in the revenue. We have expanded. Uh, We have two hangars at Bartlesville Airport, but we're kind of landlocked. We were fortunate enough we survived COVID. Um, We come out of COVID with about 12 employees. Uh, Currently now we're up to 30. We're looking to hire as many as we can. What we're looking for, Phoenix Rising, is a place where there will be a, a talented and able workforce. You know, getting aviation mechanics or avionics technicians is a high priority, which is nice too is because this is a little higher paying wages too. The um, average wage is about 30 to $32 an hour for uh, aviation technician. And so these are good quality jobs and we're looking for a place where there's going to be the room facility wise. Being an MRO, we need the space as you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about being able to work. Uh, we'd like to be able to have the space to have four or five large aircraft like a Falcon 900 going at the same time. We've been uh, doing several different things. We've worked on several uh, Dream Aviation airplanes and my background is actually I'm a pilot. I uh, was a combat pilot in Desert Storm. Flew for 10 years in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, got out and uh, came back. Worked for a company in Tulsa called BizJet, which they are predominantly are a maintenance repair organization. That got me into that and I started Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Rising in 2002 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Now, by the way, if you've never been to Fayetteville Airport, uh, the those hog fans are a bit rabid. I'll just leave it at that. They are, uh, I went to Oklahoma State, please forgive me, that's just where I went, and they made fun of my Oklahoma State uh, University diploma, said you went to a little cow college. So, give you an idea how those uh,
6: Fayetteville folks are. So Great did people. Bill Self. Mm-hmm. Great people, what's that? So did yeah. So did. So did, uh, yeah. so did, and so did. Bill Self go to LSU. So, but
7: uh, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly not a Texas fan right now though. <laughs> (laughs) But uh, anyway, the fact of it is, being able to uh, expand our business and uh, have a satellite operation, uh, right now the demand is outweighing what we can staff, Uh, getting talented qualified people is our primary objective. Getting the space, getting a place where it's a new professional, organized Uh, consumers right now, particularly that move into a jet airplane, they're going to expect amenities instead of some airports, as you may know, haven't been updated in 40 or 50 years. But seeing an airport that is being innovated and by the way, I gave this same kind of speech to Fayetteville City Council 20 years ago because they also try to invite more jet traffic during the football game and things like that. I said, if you invest in the airport and you have a quality FBO and you have maintenance available and you have other things that you can offer. Now you guys are really fortunate because you've got a major metropolitan city really close. Uh, for my tenants, or my customers rather, they come from all over the world. Uh, jet airplanes travel. Currently working on an airplane that's from Brazil. Uh, we've had airplanes from, matter of fact, I've picked up three of them from Europe and brought an airplane out of Europe during COVID that was a real challenge but having that ability to open another satellite facility that's going to be a professional brand new and an airport that is progressive and moving and can get in and out I flew up here this morning in a Falcon 900, having the ILS approach, I don't know if you all saw, there was low fog first thing this morning. Supposed to be beautiful today, but the low fog rolled in and that would affect being able to land your airplane in a timely manner, but you had the ILS and, and it was fine. Uh, it, you really do have a great airport and, and quite an asset, and investing in it is really great for the city. I The same speech I give to the Bartlesville Air Authority, too. But, we're looking, like I said, to be able to partner with uh, Dream Air and to move ahead to keep things going. Like I said, I have 30 employees now. And I would hire, in, in a year from now, I hope to have another 30. And the, one of the easiest, quickest way for me to do that is to open up another shop, hire local talent, and, and keep things moving on that. The demand is really is good right now. Has anybody ridden on the airlines the last couple of days? Why? Hey? I tried to send a technician to New York yesterday. Seriously to New York. That's not a hard deal, right? He, American Airlines called him up. His flight was canceled. No connection. Let's put him on Southwest real quick. Southwest taxi to the end of the runway. Had a maintenance blend, Missed the connection. So I couldn't get a technician to New York on a Sunday. So more the airlines are problematic, the better it is for our, our business. And the people that have the means to operate in a business class aircraft, whether it be a turboprop or piston or jet, And they're going to move towards that. So being positioned to offer the things that they're expecting will just be really enticing to both the community and the airport. Mike mentioned being centrally located. That is really important. It really is. Some of the smaller aircraft can't make it coast to coast without a stop. And trust me, if there's a good stop, like I said, a professional, clean, modern, that's gonna attract people to come in, just traffic. And like I said, during game days, that airport ought to be completely full of jet airplanes. People like to come from all over to see the games. Even, I guess, even KU, right? I don't know. <laughs> Definitely. I,
0: Tiffany has a question for you.
7: <laughs> Tiffany. I'm, but I'm just saying is, is that's what we're looking for, is to be able to, to move into a position <laughs> that has we can get talented workforce and we can uh, have something that adds to the community and that the community has offered to move our business forward, too. Like I said, we have customers from around the world, and you should hear when they say, Bartlesville? Where's that? Well, you know, I can say everybody knows Kansas, right? So, really, Kansas is the the heart of aviation. You guys know that. So, building a quality facility right here makes a lot of sense.
0: Okay, Tiffany, ask your question quick.
10: (laughs) Well, that's all right. Hi, you've answered my question, which I appreciate. The question that I had was, how many of you are looking to actually relocate an office here versus expand and commit here? So you did answer, thank you. But for the other folks who've got multiple offices, are you planning on having all of those people come here or operate your office strictly out of Lawrence, or will that be? part of your other offices um, in your portfolio. That's I can't see you. I apologize. I answered my question. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Um,
8: Yeah. So right now, my aircraft sales organization is really myself and a secretary. So uh, I would plan on relocating here and spending, you know, half of my time here. uh, And I'm on the road most of the time anyway. But as far as uh, wings of humanity, yes, we would hire pilots from here locally. Uh, We would base the aircraft here. We would have management and support staff that we would hire all here. Uh, Again, Wings of Humanity uh, there in Scottsdale operates out of my office. It's myself and a CEO and a dispatch office manager. They would stay there, but we would bring new personnel on because we would be expanding that operation uh, from essentially what's a a southwest kind of regional. Even though we're flying kids across the country, um, it would be uh, uh, the plan would be to expand and to have two or three aircraft base here and uh, the pilots, and we would be able to <coughs> cross the US and, and fly for all of the children, especially hospitals uh, around the country.
0: OK, I- follow up. I have one more, qu- I have a, a follow-up question on that. I think my question also is whether the refurbishment or paint shop, is that going to be a branch office here or are you going to relocate everything from Bartlesville? Is that what's, I mean? So so the,
8: the same situation on the paint and interior uh, in Bartlesville, we don't do complete paint jobs as Jim was explaining. We mm-hmm. wouldn't do that here because we would need a dedicated paint yes. hanger, a dedicated facility that met EPA requirements. But As far as touch up and the type of interior refurbishment, uh, that would fall to answer your previous question, would fall and be signed off under Warren certified repair station. So it wouldn't just be uh, catch-all, catch all, you know, uh, fly-by-night operation. I mean, this would be a fully certified FAA signed off, okay. and the same goes for the paint. All we would be able to do here initially would be uh, to do restripe work, touch-up work. Uh, but
0: you're going to keep the Bartlesville facility? Yeah,
8: oh yeah, the operation okay. stays in Bartlesville, yeah. This would be a satellite operation as far as uh uh as far as maintenance goes obviously the more space we have the, the the bigger we could grow the operation uh but we would definitely uh retain
0: Bartlesville okay any other questions from the board so far
10: how many of you have embarked on a project like this from phase one with the projected phase two with our aggressive timeline
8: have we ever done one
10: have you done something like this before?
8: Yeah, yeah, I have actually built uh, two hangars, and uh, it's, it's, it's uh, there in Scottsdale Airport uh, as well as in Camarillo. Uh, I've got an affiliate operation that I work with in Camarillo that has two large, uh, one is two forty thousand square foot hangars, and um, that we operate there now. That I work do some aircraft sales with them as well. So the 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 the, f- the funding and the timeline is definitely achievable, and we're. We're, we're chomping at the bits to get going
0: okay any other questions on the board this is a cool. okay I,
4: I just recommend there's several more slides in the presentation right. that lay out a lot of these things and so i think that it might be good to
11: hear more from what you guys have and
0: thank you yeah might be good. okay i was hoping that we could uh incorporate some of these but yes let's go ahead with the full presentation
2: most of it's already been talked about, but we'll go through it here, you know. But uh, so that was uh, Michael's introduction and uh, Warren's as well. But we've already talked about this. But also in Phase One, once we get this 20,000 square foot hangar built, uh, we're going to get into the cosmetics interior and that division, you know, and. Um, the paint you know we've we've talked to, and we 're going to partner up with the uh, Sherwin Williams here, and then Chen also talked about um, dreamy aviation's affiliate with uh, brian 's uh, collision center you know he owns that, and um, that 's who we 're working with now to come in and do our touch up and the small jobs that we can do in house um, not the full blown You know uh, stripping and painting but that is definitely part of phase one is our cosmetics and interior Um, a lot of people uh, don't realize how uh, much work there is out there for interior work you know um, that's that's a real important you know part of the uh, you know ownership of an airplane is a nice interior and you there's not a lot of people out there that actually do this work and to bring in the cosmetics with the paint and interior uh, Um, that's going to really help our sales division you know we get an airplane that needs the work with the MRO we we do the uh, uh, airplane you know maintenance itself and then you know top it off with all the uh, interior and paint it'd be you know kind of the full circle on the full service operation that we'd like to bring and then uh, like we have already talked about but uh, phase two would be obviously needed sooner rather than later, but that would be the additional two, you know, 20,000 square foot hangar, uh, hopefully right beside the you know, um, one that's already built that we've had the pictures of earlier but that's where we would do a lot of our cosmetic interior um, MRO bring all that in Uh, you know more space to do all this is um, I mean space is really the big thing you know and 20,000 square foot is a good start but you know another 20,000 we could you know really put in uh, everything that we're wanting to do and we've talked about bringing the MRO with warren peck in here but you know he already talked about being able to do the heavy maintenance you know we've got several aircraft that we've already sent down there that they have done you know uh, from ground up you know several million dollars worth of maintenance on one airplane you know Uh, so it's a it's a big deal to be able to have a one (coughs) shop like what warren and uh, phoenix rising is able to offer but um and we already talked about this here like i said we already talked about a lot of this but we'll just go through it if anyone's got any questions we'll stop but um you know, we, we wanted to talk about and, you know, make sure that the city knows that with, you know, Dream Aviation's commitment, if we can get this building, we'd like to use as much local talent as possible to hire, you know, Lawrence residents and uh, make sure that we're bringing as, as many jobs to Lawrence as we can, keep them in house. You know, that's ideal for everybody. And the growth will increase and in, you know, the uh, employment opportunity here in the, the city. But... Uh, basically, this is the end of our slides here. But basically, phase one is just to get a hangar built. We get so I mean that'll be filled up so fast. Um, get the uh, office buildings in here. Phase two would be hopefully started sooner rather than later and bring the full service uh, into the Lawrence area. I mean, a one-stop shop is really needed in 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 the area. There's a lot of airplanes that you know, like you um, said, Scott. There's 35 airplanes on a waiting list. You know. But I don't know this is just uh, our layout and designs of the possibility of you know what our options are. Um, other than that, I'm sure there's a lot more questions, but can I
0: uh, start,
2: Carrie? Yeah, just one quick question. Um,
9: going back to the design layout, I'm just trying to visualize this. Where would this? What what part of the airport are we talking
2: about? This that'll year? be up here on. Let's see if we slide.
0: Got a slide here.
2: Yeah, right here, phase one. So,
0: okay, that me moving
2: it or someone else? Well, the uh, okay, I don't know.
0: If you show him where the main entry road is, I think you can get a picture of it.
2: Yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, so this is currently the uh, main FBO right here. That's where Hedrick Air is, and then we've got the building here is the one that was built by um, Doug Compton and his partners a couple years ago, and I believe that's 22,000 square foot size-wise. And then just I think he, they still own um, this little lot here, but just to the south, that's that's the intention for us for our 20,000 square foot right here and then right adjacent to it would be the office space of five thousand and then phase two would be the twenty thousand right next to it and that would give us this apron here with access right to the uh runway i believe that's runway three three okay thank you that's helpful one question
6: um does warren do you do uh interior now no Okay, so that'd be a new...
8: We subway that, yeah. Okay. So another company comes in and pulls the interior out in his shop and then refurbishes it and then his, uh, his people reinstall the interior. Yep. But after the, the, the actual work is...
1: You may come to the microphone, sir. The Warren, you may come to the microphone. We do have people online uh, today as well. Sorry about that. don't know. No, no. No, um, what we do
7: is, if you think about it, we'll, we'll contract with an interior shop. They'll come and we'll take it out and they'll take it, take it to their shop to do the artsy, craftsy part. And then they'll come back and we'll reinstall it. So the, the work is done under our umbrella, if you will, for a repair station. Consider it. it's like an engine change. We'll pull the engine off and ship it to a dedicated shop that does engine work. And then when it's comes back, then we'll reinstall it, trim it, and adjust it, make sure it's certified to fly.
6: Okay, so where is that? Shop is that well,
7: there's several. Okay. We contracted with, with uh, one out of Denver, we contracted with one out of Little Rock, we contracted one out of Mena, Mina, Arkansas. There are several different ones, and we give our customers that option. So if they come in and they say, Well, they a major inspection, and the interior's got to come out anyway. Then we'll say, Do you want something done to it? and we'll get they can contract out that way,
5: okay?
0: anybody else. Okay, I have a question, um, maybe for Chin. Yeah.
1: Did you guys get, sorry to interrupt Clancy, did you guys get through all your slides? Yes, yeah. Obviously. Okay.
0: <clears throat> yeah, okay. In the original presentation, however many months ago it was, there was talk about a restaurant. What happened to that?
3: Um, <laughs> I think when we were going through some of the planning process, I figured that, well, restaurant would add a little bit to many hurdles. To, to, to put it nicely, so we figured we kind of pushed that to the back, you know. Okay. Um, Is
0: it still part of the long-term idea, or? I mean,
3: if there's a demand for it, I think we have the space to do it. But uh, I wanted to make sure our priorities were more aviation-focused, getting the shops up and running before uh, spending lots of time doing a restaurant. But. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the space is there, and if the need is there, that would be really cool to have, because a lot of successful okay. modern FBOs, they do have um, nice restaurant facilities.
0: And yeah, now it's a $200 hamburger, right? <laughs> Okay. Um, are there questions from And
3: Clancy, if I could
1: interject on that Absolutely. topic just for a, a second, Absolutely. you know, Chin, we do have um, some planning and development staff here today. We've got Good. Sandy Day and Ellie Mullins uh, on our planning side in support of the proposals today. And we've had, obviously, several conversations with, with Chin and his partners in the, in the last 18 months or so. And one of the limitations right now of the airport in terms of supporting a restaurant use is uh, the higher, um, flows into our sanitary sewer system. And so uh, the airport itself has some limitations uh, currently in terms of being able to support restaurant usage at the airport. As Kyle and I have updated the board uh, the last few meetings. We have a sanitary sewer study underway. We we are working on plans on how to to sewer the airport, but uh, that that does present a a limitation right now in terms of just the the sewer capacity to handle those types of uses at the airport. Clancy.
0: Okay. City ladies, would you guys would you guys like to chime in on any questions or issues?
11: Good morning, I'm Sandy Day, I'm one of the planners. One of the the base things that we look at from the planning side is the land use and how it responds to the city's zoning codes. Um, So that has been also one of the topics that chin was um, trying to graciously refer to Um, a restaurant under today's code is actually not a permitted use for the airport. One of the things that we are doing um, the city is updating its zoning code and so we are looking at holistically all the different zoning categories and land uses that are permitted. So that may be something that could open up in the future um, if, the, if the airport is rezoned at some point, that could add other land uses that are not in the current list of permitted uses. And then coupled that with the infrastructure that's needed to support that kind of a use, um, the, the timing is probably just not quite there yeah. yet. Okay.
0: That answers my question. Okay, anybody else over there?
3: Okay. I just want to say one thing. We've Sandy and Ellie her team. We've we've had several conversations over the last month or two and I feel we're making really good progress on finalizing the site plan and uh getting it to the next stage. So they've been extremely supportive uh in terms of helping aviation kind of move along at the Lawrence Airport. So I want to make sure I recognize these guys so they've done a great job. So thank you.
0: Okay, thanks. Kyle, do you have anything? Okay. Uh members of the public. Are there questions? Ron, Richard, anybody?
12: Good morning. My name is Ron Renz, long-term tenant out at the airport. Um, I've been in front of most of you for a lot. lot I'm always in favor of new business, especially new business that's going to bring revenue to Lawrence that's not here now, wouldn't be here because they're not here. If they come... I would say almost 100% of their business is going to be out of city. It's going to be out of state, most likely. Could even be out of the country. I mean, my business thrives because I do a lot of out of country. The big question I have, though, is this proposal's been in front of the city for for a long time. And so my question is, are we on the timeline that you guys have been working towards? Are we behind that timeline? And if we are behind it why are we behind it and why because i think the board has been in in favor (coughs) of this proposal for a long time and are we on the timeline that you proposed or are we behind it if we are behind it why
0: thanks ron Um, i don't know how to answer that so i think
12: that's jim jim's a question okay
8: Uh, Richard Haig, and I, I was on the board when it was first proposed, and it was unanimous. Everybody was really in support of it. The difference today
12: is we have a lot of city staff here to really show the city support to getting this, this project moving, so having the board support to move this forward, I think, is, is very key and very important,
3: and pretty exciting time for the airport.
0: Thanks, Richard.
3: So, you know... I wanted to hanger up two years ago. So as far as my timeline goes, getting it up and running, we're two years behind. But I understand this is this is um, a very new project for me. Um, obviously, I'm in the car business. Um, I have a lot of experience in the car business. But aviation was a uncharted territory. And then above, beyond that, getting things aligned with the city and, and committees and whatnot, that's very, very new to me. So I think it's been a very, very um, Good learning curve along the way, and uh, good training takes time, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that we're extremely behind. Um, but we, we, I, I, I'm a very urgent person. So based on that, I feel like we're a little behind. But based on our recent conversations we've had with the city and planning whatnot, I, th- I think we're still in, in a pretty good uh, place as far as getting it up and running. Um, if I asked Mike, Mike would have probably said we should have had it up and running about two years ago. Because we're trying to hit get the construction done and uh, and occupiable probably before the World Series or World Cup because I think there's going to generate a lot of traffic (coughs) in downtown Kansas City Airport does not have enough facilities does not have the support to handle (coughs) much more traffic. Um, we've seen it, we've, we've had multiple conversations with Signature trying to lock in a land lease down in downtown Kansas City, and it is very, very difficult. And they are definitely behind the A-ball right now. So I just don't want us to be behind the A-ball as well because we, we have a huge opportunity staring at us um, with what's going to happen in the next couple of years. So long story short could could we have gone a little faster sure but we've had some new challenges come up along the way and it did cause some delays um but i think we've got things pretty much on the right track right now uh hopefully we can get a building permit early part of next year so we can start Construction now. The construction good news is I think it's from what I'm seeing. um, There's a little bit more, a little bit less delay on constructing because the the demand is not there like it used to be a couple of years ago when 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 uh, people were building. All kinds of stuff all over the place um, so I think as far as materials and whatnot goes the prices have come down a little bit from what it used to be and construction crews are more available than what it used to be a couple years ago so um, as long as we can get all the approvals and, and and able to break ground first quarter of next year we should be we should be in good shape
0: okay thank you um, I, more sure
8: Um, Also, we've spoken at length about the benefit of the hangar space. Since I came here two and a half years ago, the first thing I've been, of course, a pilot flown all over the world. First thing I said is we got to do something about the access to, as Scott knows, to the existing terminal building and so as important as this hangar is, the additional taxiway extension, the additional ramp space, the access to the end of the runway and to the rest of the the ramp is I think extremely important uh, for the airport as a whole and that comes along with this it's very important that uh, I think that uh, as the advisory council you guys you know probably are aware will really enhance the accessibility and usability of the airport
0: that was my next question was what, what does the city need to do or what what does it's,
8: an, it's in the master plan and you know it's all, all you, you you know the the extended taxiway which which would be access to the hangar, uh, will also grant access to the end of the runway. We have ex- a lot more ramp space, and uh, uh, that, to me, from two and a half years ago, the the access to the existing apron in front of the terminal building uh, is difficult. And for a big jet like we came in today, uh, it's rough, and I think that uh, it prevents some people who would otherwise fly into the airport from coming. Well, that would be rectified with this facility as well.
0: Thank you. Hey, <coughs> okay. Mr. Renz.
12: Yeah, Ron Renz again. Good. No, those are great answers. You know, I'm, I know this is a big project, and I know I've been involved. My last project I just finished, we were working on five years, and we were successful in August, so I understand your problem. What I, my comment really is we want to make sure that. The city and the airport board and the planning board aren't doing anything to slow this project down. This is a great project. It's a great project for Lawrence. What can we do to help? That's kind of where I'm going for, and that's what I'd like to see the board and the city do. Thank you.
0: Okay. any other comments? Okay, Scott, what's next?
1: Will, um, you know, I, I think we have had a change of schedule today, so we appreciate uh, Dream Air's team in, in moving their uh, presentation up to this morning, uh, Clancy. We had originally scheduled a, a couple hours for um, each company's presentation, so I don't know if the board has more questions. You know, I, I had a conversation with Chin yesterday that this is the opportunity for um, Chin and his team. Uh, to present to the board for the board to understand who they are, where they're coming from, what their proposals are. So I, you know, I think we can have more of an informal conversation, uh, Clancy. If you guys want to continue that, um, if not, we could um, move some of our afternoon items uh, up to now. Uh, so, I'll, I, I do know that uh, Jeff Coleman, you know, we had asked him to prepare some commercial application documents, and he has done that. We've posted those to the agenda, but he uh, had planned to present today, and he still plans to do that, Clancy, but he, he is on vacation uh, visiting his son out in uh, San Diego, so he's graciously agreed to uh, Zoom in at 1 o'clock. Okay. But I think that doesn't should. mean we have to stay tied to his schedule either, so...
0: Okay, um, we, Greg?
6: Can we go back to still asking questions? Absolutely. Okay, so the question is for Warren. Let's
0: continue until we're done with questions. You,
6: um, you mentioned the things that we need to do at the airport to make your projects most successful. So tell us, in order of priority, which of those things you overviewed a few minutes ago would be most important.
8: So, obviously, extending the taxiway for taxiway access to the hangar is obviously critical uh, and is part and parcel, but in the design drawing uh, that's up phase one, you'll see that taxiway access. You'll also see the extended
6: uh, ramp space. Because I'm new on the board, too. Okay. I'm not as familiar with the and i couldn't see when i don't know uh, when he was putting the arrow where he was putting it i don't know how we get that up i'm used to i was was a fighter pilot and all that kind of stuff so i'm used to north up is that north up Mm -hmm. yes yeah okay so
8: let me let me bring that up there we go now can we see the pointer
11: Hey, this, okay. I'm, if you
8: just
5: walk up there.
10: Just walk up, okay, okay, very good.
8: So do you want
5: to? Greg, do you want to come
10: down near me better. too so you can okay. see better? So come on over.
8: Is the the hangar phase one and uh, an office space, this is all just now empty field, right? It's just grass, mm-hmm. okay. okay? This hangar is the existing hangar that Doug Compton has. This is the terminal building. The municipal terminal building. And I, we were here a month ago, obviously, when they were doing the presentation for the airport master plan and all of the stuff out here, mm-hmm. 737s, and that—that—that's all stuff that's you know being talked about. But right now, the ramp space that is out here—I mean, for lack of a better word, it's rough.
10: It's not very
8: good. That's the, that's the current. That, that, that's in front of the terminal building here, okay. and it, the only access that the airplanes in this hangar that exists now have to the runway is to come out here on this rough taxiway and come out to come to the end of the runway. Now there's no access for anybody here without going through the rough access. I mean the rough ramp space. To get out to the end of the runway or we come in from the, the other end of the runway down the taxiway. Okay, so when this is completed, the taxiway will be extended. It will be extended out here to the existing taxiway. This ramp will all be uh, for the benefit not only of the hangar, but also for other aircraft to be able to taxi straight out and access the end of the runway. None of that's available right now. So the, the infrastructure that will be added, and I can't address, the, Scott, the, um, the FAA, and I know that's a, uh-huh. part of the project. Um, and so as much as, as important as the hangar and what we're talking about on the business side is, all of this infrastructure improvement is a huge benefit to the airport. And for access and for even if they don't come to our hangar or do anything, it just gives a lot more access to the airport, to the runway, for existing So,
9: Clancy, just a real quick question
8: about that. Absolutely.
9: So, sorry, I'm talking to the mic. So on, on this pace we're looking at right now, and again, we talked last meeting about kind of the airport expansion, maybe I'm... Choose to know which part does the city pay for and build versus what part does
8: <coughs> aviation
0: Excellent question. I'm going to pay let for
1: and build and how does that all work? I know we have FAA grants, but that's right. something that you'll have to um, actually maybe I might come up to the pointer there. Okay, <laughs> I agree. I agree. See if this is, yeah, so that's a great question, Carrie. So, in our original discussions with um, hetrick and doug compton he's had a site plan and plan and sandy can address kind of this original concept plan an approved site plan from when i became airport manager two years ago um, we have a ground lease with hetrick uh air services for kind of the east half of this lot and in order to get aircraft to that we had discussed building a taxiway to that hangar had had some good discussions with faa on on that um, pretty much um, g- had gotten their approvals to uh, construct such a taxiway and with this development we entered into a ground lease with hetrick air services uh, and we entered into a cooperation agreement with Hedrick Air for the city's participation in building a a taxiway to this point service this hangar. But that was all with Hetrick Air. In our recent discussions with Dream Air, as these concept plans have kind of changed, and we had, have had some further discussions with how to connect with taxiway A out here that serves the primary runway. We've shown kind of a direct connection uh, to taxiway A off of the apron coming off of this hangar. So that that's kind of the, the current state of our discussions. Um, so, going back to this original concept plan and proof site plan with Hetrick, that was how we were discussing connecting to uh, the proposed Hetrick hangar. At the current time, in terms of who is paying for what, um, We really haven't envisioned constructing this at this moment because we don't feel like it's needed. We would envision a uh, construction of an apron uh, with a a connection to taxiway A, and that's posted on the site plan that uh, Chin's group has most recently submitted with land plan. So that's what we have posted on the agenda, and we could pull that up if you want to. Uh, Perhaps future development, you know, if this hangar gets constructed, then it may make sense to eventually build this taxiway. Going back to a couple other projects, while I have the mic, and and Kyle can provide some updates on this as well, Uh, yes, the apron is in rough shape. And uh, we currently have a Kansas Airport Improvement Grant to design the apron. And so we hope to get that on, I believe, the December 12th City Commission agenda for a contract with Garver to start moving forward on that project, because it's it's surely needed. Uh, We have a KIP grant of about $800,000, Kyle, for construction, uh, reconstruction of the apron. That's currently not in the approved city cip for 2024 but we hope to move that forward either in 2024 or 2025 to make sure that we utilize uh, those kip dollars for improvement of the apron the garver master plan contract is on tomorrow night's city commission agenda so uh, stay tuned for that we hope to uh, make some good progress in moving forward the the master plan work uh, as soon as possible so I don't know if that answered all your questions, Kerry. Uh, you know, in terms of the apron uh, construction, the applicant hasn't asked for any city participation in, in funding uh, the apron out and a connection to uh, Taxiway A uh, at this point. So the project that they're proposing builds the hangar and the
6: apron with a connection?
1: That's correct. And we can pull up their site plan if you want me to pull up that document, Jen. Let me see if I can get to it. Okay. Quickly.
3: So this would be the most recent update inside the plan.
1: And that one's not quite the most recent, but um, so we staff had a um, we've had a couple meetings since our last aviation board with Dream Air, uh, and a couple weeks ago we we met with Dream Air to talk about this uh, site plan which they had initially uh, submitted. Uh, staff's initial concern was with the parking shown here, um, the airport master plan, the current one from 2012, and I don't know if um, the screen is sharing or not, hopefully everyone online may be able to see that, Um, showed really development of hangars throughout this entire area. And so we discussed with them of um, not having this kind of uh, parking for their proposed project in here, uh, but instead uh, probably building a, uh, an access point down here off of Airport Road to get to their office and hangar, but in the future, this access road uh, could be a future taxi lane for more airside development and preserving more of this space up in here for future hangars and fu- uh, future de- airside development for the airport. And so they have submitted a an updated plan that does not show this uh, parking space here but shows their uh, office and hangar and so out here is the connection I was talking about with the apron and a connecting point right out in here to taxiway a again uh Preliminary meetings with FAA staff probably over a year ago, uh, we showed this connection point, and uh, they they we, we see positive feedback from FAA on, on that aspect. So that would be uh, something that they have not asked us to, uh, to fund at this point.
6: Okay, so bottom line for a simple person, you know, fighter pilots like it simple. Their plan builds a hangar, a ramp, and a connection that doesn't require us... The city to do the other things. The other things are important, and we have them in our CAP list, but doesn't require it.
1: At this point, uh, with our uh, and we and Brett Hole, I see him on the line. I think you know as we move forward with the site plan, uh, Brett, we do need to set up a, a meeting with FA staff to to show them this revised site plan and and just make sure that. Um, F.A. Central Region planners are okay with, with what we're proposing out here, but the answer uh, in short is yes. However, planning staff may want to weigh in. I mean, there's, there's other aspects to developing at the airport. I'm thankful that planning staff is here today because um, there, there are water lines to be uh, constructed, sanitary sewer connections to offices and hangars and, and some of those details have yet to be worked out, I would say.
0: Okay, next question. How does the replatting play into all of this
1: another excellent question and I think I'm definitely going to turn it over to to planning staff uh, to answer that and so as I reported at the last aviation board meeting the city is proactively going to replat the airport and um, that hasn't started yet that will take place hopefully in 2024 but it's it's a year long process probably to to replat the entire airport and the goal would be to make it more simple to have the airport receive development proposals like this so that we don't have to go through a minor subdivision replat process like they've currently submitted, that they can just submit a site plan that either could be administratively approved or just go through the site planning process with with planning and the planning commission. But but that's in process right now. I'll ask Sandy to kind of talk to us through how we can move forward with this proposal uh currently but that that's kind of the long-term goal to make development at the airport easier and that's why staff has initiated some of those processes on our end sandy He's
11: got- again i'm sandy day one of the planners um, and I am a land use planner, I am. I d- I don't have a specialty uh, in aviation other than what I've learned on the job and working through these different projects. Um, <coughs> the city code requires that in order to issue a building permit, the property has to be platted. So that invokes the city subdivision regulations. So what we're doing with this project, because the project is um, proposed on multiple platted lots, the applicant needs to go through what's called a minor subdivision. um, And that replats the affected lots for their project and consolidates it into one. And we've worked with the applicant to identify the most streamlined process that we can, which is the minor subdivision. There is a street that was originally platted. I think that's Taylor Taylor Croft. um, To the south, we've asked them just just stay away from the right-of-way for right now. That will let us combine those those interior lot lines and dissolve them so that they have one complete complete lot. And as Scott mentioned, um, long-term plan is to replat the entire airport. Um, that will allow um, the city to be more responsive and more flexible to different development applications that come forward in the future. Um, Platting originally was thought of a way to. As a way for the city to to kind of manage leases, Um, we didn't at that time really have the advanced tools that we have today through GIS that when we went to describe leases everything had to be hand-drawn and surveyed and um, that just was a real challenge but to be able to show platted lots out to um, a prospective um, applicant uh, the subdivision tool worked very well you plat it once you have a lot and somebody can go and build on that and as we're finding um, the way that it was platted is not necessarily working out with exactly how the airport is developing. So this is kind of a short-term response to that plat process. It's marching along kind of parallel to the site plan. Um, I can't let an applicant can't issue a building permit on a, a building that goes over lot lines, so we do need to go through that exercise. Um, Typically, minor subdivisions are administrative. There's a couple little variances. We will um, have to have the Planning Commission um, consider some, some of this work as well. Um, th- they sit as the uh, Airport Zoning Commission, I believe is what they are called when they have to act on anything on the airport. But for the subdivision plat, piece of it. The city actually is the property owner. So um, one of the things that will have to happen is the city as the property owner will sign the owner authorization. That's a process internal to the city that will have to get the application in front of the city manager to sign that application. And then we can um, click forward through the rest of the process through the subdivision plat. It's very high level. I'm happy to answer any questions about that
10: tiffany does staff expect opposition or delay through that process in any way
11: no um i I would be very surprised to hear opposition either from the public. Subdivision processes really are, in some ways, kind of ministerial. You either meet the requirements of the subdivision process or you do not. There are different processes. Um, If there is, um, Airport Road is a very good example. It was not constructed to typical city standards. Um, So we will have to process a technical variance to that that's that's not an unusual process at all that we would go through um, the curb and gutter the sidewalk um, those are design elements that we would require of any public street but the airport is kind of unique airport road has existed for a lot of years with the design that it has and so there's not necessarily an expectation that we're going to rip out and reconstruct Airport Road for this project. Um, We are having discussions through the site plan about what is good pedestrian connection, um, what is reasonable pedestrian connection. And so we have preliminary comments in the site plan. We've submitted those to the applicant. That's something that city staff is also looking at. How do you connect? this building to the next building to the terminal building? How do we make those pedestrian connections uh, work with um, the wildlife fence piece? So there's there's design components in there um, that we've been talking with the applicant, kind of, all along as different designs have been provided we've kind of responded to those i don't envision that there being any kind of delay i do have to put this on for the planning commission's agenda
10: that was my next question say again it was the county planning
11: no the the lawrence douglas county planning commission they are an advisory board to the city commission much as you are, okay. Um, they are comprised of five members appointed by the city and five members appointed by the county. They are a joint board, um, but they will take that up at, and I can't remember off the top of my head if we're looking at the January meeting, um, to go to planning commission to get it on their agenda. So that would be the normal notice process.
10: Okay. Okay. We, I
11: know, have special
10: knowledge, so to speak, of advisory issues and my thought process would be, will there also be that kind of expertise provided so that that entity, which may not have that kind of internal expertise? And if they're going to be part of a decision such as this, will that be in consideration?
11: Um, They can take this body's information and recommendation and incorporate it into what they're doing. the the land use pieces, the evaluation of the project, does it comply with city code? Does it comply with subdivision regulation? Does not... <sighs> There, there are adequate balances in there because we're working with with engineering staff. We're working with Garver um, to make sure that uh, you know building setbacks and building height are addressed. But by and large, the assessment of the site plan is the use permitted in the district. Yes, we classify it in the code as, I think, a warehouse. And office use is also a permitted use in the zoning district. So from those components, I don't think that there is um, a level of expertise that's needed that we're not already covering Um, where that building is placed um that is something that we are relying on garver to give us that direct they are a direct reviewer in those projects so i i do feel comfortable that we're getting the expertise we need for some of those those components and as far as the platting goes um that's kind of ground level that's where do we draw a line um and that that really is not going to affect air air operations that's that's an internal piece um, same with the infrastructure that's kind of underground that's a component of um really the municipal services side that we have to provide any building you know can you get sewer and water uh, are we staying out of the way of a rural water line that's there and how do they if they have to be relocated where do they go on the airport so I I do feel confident that we're getting that expertise but the idea that this board is meeting before the Planning Commission we can definitely take this discussion and report it back to the Planning Commission we can also incorporate it into our staff reports as we move forward
6: thank you can you can you help us thank you can you help us phrase a recommendation that covers all the things that are possible for us to recommend to the planning so that so that that it's like turn up the heat okay
10: so so that it's like a no-brainer we don't want there to be a process that could stop once whatever train gets started right we want to see there be a a clear path right
11: um I think so long as the site plan goes through Garver's review um, and it's compliant with what they see, I, I. I don't know, I don't know enough about your board. I apologize to 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 give you some suggested language okay. of what that is. Um, I think we're following the normal processes. Um, there, there are pieces that are on the staff side. You know, Do we have adequate staff and time to do the things we need to do? But there are things on the applicant side too. Uh, we give review comments. Um, the applicant has time to uh, make those changes. And so it is incumbent on everybody to be diligent um if somebody is giving me a revised plan you know a day before uh my cutoff for my staff report i i can't do anything about that i've tried to communicate to the applicant what my deadlines are all the way through the process and and that's a little bit on on them now we've had really good conversations and i I think that um I do feel confident letting the applicant know, hey, this deadline is coming up, and I, I've seen them be responsive. So I'm hopeful that um, that will continue.
6: Um. <coughs> Thank you, Sandy, very much.
0: Okay, I have one more question before you go. I want to make sure that I understand that the replatting process is not going to impinge on this Minor subdivision development that that the replatting process won't get in the way. No,
11: not at all. That yes, and that is actually why we we talked with the applicant. You know, I think everybody's hope was that the city would be able to engage the replat of the airport yeah. property much sooner yeah. than it was happening. And then when we kind of learned that it th- that the old ultimate replat of the property is out there a little distance the way to move the applicant forward was to move forward with the minor subdivision okay. so that was the solution to keep them moving forward and not getting hung up on the yeah,
0: on the I, need to right what plat. I what I wanted to see is that we weren't going to have to wait for the replatting to deal with this that,
3: that was so, one of
11: my yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and we yeah. and we We tried to do that, and in my original understanding, I think uh, I was misinformed thinking that that that, that, that replat was going to happen much sooner. And um, following different discussions with Kyle and Scott, I learned, oh, this is This is on a a different calendar timeline than what we were all expecting. And so the solution to that is to have the applicant do what's called a minor Mm -hmm. subdivision, just focusing on the three platted lots that that they're looking at right now. Yeah. So no time delay. The the biggest thing we need to do, we've got almost all of the documentation. The application has not yet been signed by the city manager. Um, That piece I do have to have you know we as the city have have a responsibility to to um, act and that's not unlike any other application i would have from a developer where somebody's maybe purchasing on contract whatever the property owner of record has to sign those applications so that's that's one piece that does need to happen i'm aware of that i'm tracking that so but that's That's my job that's my responsibility to make sure all of those documents come in
6: so I'm sorry I hope this is my last question so does the subdivision the minor subdivision cover both phase one and phase two
11: the minor subdivision covers definitely phase one I have not seen a drawing of what phase two might look like so um, whether or not this particular repack covers it I don't know we may have to do some additional platting work if they're ready to move into phase 2 before before the city completes the plat work
6: okay because they were talking about Accelerating, and that's that's yeah, and almost together, simultaneous. So, what is it they need to do to make it possible we for you would, to do? We
11: would need to see a site plan that shows both phase one and phase two. And at this point, that actually may be a little bit of a, of a hang up. Um, because they are so far into phase one and we are so far into the review of phase one Mm. that stepping back and treating it as a new application is going to add probably three to four weeks of delay. Okay. So it's, at this point, if, if expediency is our issue, I would recommend that we move forward with phase one, do this work, and as they get nearer, to completion, go ahead and submit for phase 2 and we'll open up another project and we'll we'll do that work.
3: Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, thank you. So Good job. phase 1, thanks Sandy. F- phase 1 and phase 2, we wanted to kind of do it pretty much at the same time, but as I mentioned earlier, we don't know what phase 2 property that would be available for us given the recent developments. Okay. That's the only reason that we haven't submitted phase one and phase two together, because we don't want to have the expense of going through the phase two process if we don't know there's going to be land available for phase two. Okay. So till we get that part cleared out, we can't really s- spend time and energy a- uh, on the phase two part of the project. OK, thank you. Yeah.
0: More questions? Ladies? Mm-mm public okay I guess my um, my my final uh, question is how does well, I think we should wait till after lunch to discuss this. so um, I guess unless you guys have more to say I think okay, Scott.
1: Clancy, I I think from an administrative standpoint, you should probably uh, ask for a motion to recess uh, for an hour uh, break. I know lunch has arrived for- Okay, uh,
0: do we need to wait for-
1: And then maybe uh, reconvene at at 1230, I think we could have an initial discussion of some of the uh, documents that we've posted to the rest of the agenda. And then uh, Jeff Coleman did make a commitment to uh, jump on the Zoom at one o'clock today.
0: That works for me. Okay, may I have a motion to recess? I move
5: that we recess. Okay,
0: Chris, second. Second. Greg, seconds. All in favor?
1: Aye. Aye.
5: Aye. Aye.
0: Aye. Unanimous. We stand in recess. Thank you. Until
5: 1230.
1: This is hot.
0: Can I bring us back to order now?
2: Sure. <clears throat> okay.
0: The uh, Aviation Advisory Board is back in session at 1230 on December 4th. And Scott, you I believe you have something you need to say?
1: Well, uh, I'll try to uh, lead us through this afternoon's conversation. Okay. Glancy, um, you know, So we've got two items on for this afternoon. If you recall, I think at last month's board meeting, I did briefly mention that when we went to the Four States Conference, I listened to some presentations on ag spraying operations <coughs> and realized that our airport minimum standards do not address those at all, and I think that's something that's lacking in our airport minimum standards. And mm-hmm. I think I reported in November that we were going to give Jeff Coleman of the Aviation Management Consulting Group under contract to take a look at updating our minimum standards and certainly adding. Those provisions, uh, but as we've gotten further into these business license uh, or business applications from Dream Air and Eurotech, uh, you know I, I think probably a refresh of of having Jeff uh, look at our minimum standards just to make sure that there's no recommended changes from an industry best practices uh, perspective is needed. But I think this afternoon, um, you know, just a discussion on our processes. Uh, and what the Aviation Board needs to consider these requests that we have in front of us to uh, process those as well as uh, what planning staff needs and how we can better align those processes to make uh, it more seamless uh, for applicants when they uh, put forward their, their proposals. So in the last few weeks since our last board meeting, we did get uh, Jeff Coleman of the Aviation Management Consulting Group uh, under contract to do those two things. to update our minimum standards, and to also develop business application documents uh, so that we can comply with our minimum standards. Um, the minimum standards that I have posted to the website were last uh, adopted February 6, 2018, so it's, it's been a few years. But I did want to point out on page four of those minimum standards, paragraph three, it discusses an application process to conduct aeronautical activities. One of the bullet points there says, any individual or entity wishing to conduct an aeronautical activity must submit an application to the City of Lawrence as presented in Chapter 5 of these minimum standards. So if you turn to Chapter 5, it kind of lists out um, a laundry list of application requirements. The thing that's been missing, really, with us and our process is we didn't develop application documents and application itself. And so that's what Jeff Coleman has provided, and that's what we've posted to today's agenda. How does the aviation board ensure that our minimum standards are actually being complied with, and how can we evaluate these proposals as they come to the airport, and how can we properly vet these companies to make sure that they can actually follow through financially with the commitments that they're putting forth in a development proposal. So I think Jeff has uh, put together some really good documents. Um, That's really the only action item I put on today's agenda to provide some input to us as staff uh, on these documents and consider authorizing us to to finalize these so that we can get them to uh, certainly Dream Air as an applicant and that document Um, once we have it and it receives initial approval and we can you know discuss process today too at one point does staff send it to the city manager's office and say you know we're going to move forward this this application to presented development at the Lawrence Regional Airport. So I'm maybe going to turn it over to Melissa just for a brief discussion on you know, process, because I think there has been a little bit of disconnect between the planning and development side of things and what the Aviation Board uh, needs to uh, really make sure that our minimum standards are being complied with and the Airport Master Plan is being complied with. And I think we've, we have we had a brief meeting with Jeff Crick, the Director of uh, Planning and Development Services, on Friday. And, uh, you know, I, I think we can certainly uh, work to streamline this process a little bit more.
5: Melissa? Absolutely.
4: Melissa Sieben, Director of Municipal Services and Operations. And Sandra Day over there and um, her colleague also from Planning Me I want to jump in on this. Um, what Jeff and I are trying to do is get to the goal of having as Scott was saying a streamlined process so currently um, we haven't adopted an application process per se as an airport um, manager what we are looking to do with some of the work that will be coming for you um, later today is have such an application but we want it to be completely in alignment um, Jeff and I do um, as directors <laughs> with the city's processes for planning so the goal here is we're gonna take whatever submitted to us and we're gonna go through and look at there's like one question that's asked on one but not on the other and and merge those together and really get down to one application then it, that Application will also come with a document that expresses the process that you'll go through and how that'll work as an applicant for these particular leased sites. Okay, So this isn't going to apply to something that's off the airport premises but has adjacent airport uses. This is only going to be on city-owned property that's for the the airport. Um, So I'm just trying to make that clear. Um, Since um, one of the applicants we saw today, um, Dream Air, is already in. Um, in the track, they're gonna have to work through us on the, the what I would consider the more convoluted version um, that doesn't necessarily align as well. Um, but we're not seeing a lot of delta um, from what was submitted by the, the airport consultant that Scott was referencing and what's currently in the city's um, site plan application process. Sandra hasn't seen it, so I'm, I'm just looking to her to make sure she's not, um, t- oh, no, Melissa. The other thing that we have to do within this process is determine at what point when we're working through with applicant the leasing language. So some of this will kind of run in tandem to make sure that they understand our expectations at the time of submittal for uh, either a minor site plan or a site plan application. Um, And that also depends on when we get the lot lines removed. At the airport, which is another project we also have going to expedite uh, development out there, because again, that's a whole nother set of hang-ups. Um, and these are all things that I've discovered as work, working with Scott and Angela over the last number of months that are things that we have to remove out of our way for the airport to be able to kind of excel, if that makes sense. So in the leasing agreements, we we have one currently out there. We have some pretty decent lease language in there as it pertains to sort of you know getting moving on a project. But we really want to closely tie um, any site plans that we're doing with that Uh, language to make sure that something is happening on the site if we're going to tie it up. Hmm. Um, So that is just something that I think is incumbent upon a public entity who's managing land is that we, we don't hand out um, leases with no expectation of that use, which we're looking as an economic driver for the community, or to provide elements um, for functional uses for the you know, uh, traveling public, um, and that's kind of a conundrum that that we see if we don't get those two aligned. Um, Certainly with our minimum standards that um, we're working on updating, um, we're also looking at the compliance with the master plan, and all of those things feed into the site planning process to make sure it's in conformance, that we're not accepting applications that maybe aren't in congruence with that, and I would say that we will see those challenges, which is why we have to get all this work done. Um, It's just, it's really important. and it's too bad we didn't have it in place already. But we've recognized it, and we're working through it. And that is where we're at. And I'll just I'll say for our team, we're very happy that we're getting to this point so that we can provide better service to, to you guys, as well as any future customers at the airport. Um, we, we do um, have options um, pertaining to leasing and how we do that, and um, so that may come back in a future consideration, depending on what our conversations with legal are over the next over the next number of uh, weeks or months. Um, and just so you know, the current airport master plan that's out there—not um, the one you're working on, but the one that's currently adopted—is incorporated by reference into our 2040 master plan. So. That is a document that uh, Sandra and her team would have to look at in order to determine if the site plans were in alignment with the city's um, goals. And that includes the airport's goals. Um, That is all I have at the moment. Scott, is there anything else you wanted me to cover?
1: I don't think so, uh, Melissa. Um, I think we had a good conversation with Jeff Crick. I think the goal is to kind of merge these application procedures so that it's more seamless for an applicant. Um, We've been working with Chin and his team on the planning side of things, but not necessarily have woven the um, aviation and aviation board and our minimum standards into the application process yet. So that's what we have before you today. And it's probably uh, time to turn it back to the board to uh, have some discussion on. The draft documents that's been provided.
0: Okay. Thanks, Melissa.
1: What are we going to um, be able to ask her questions?
0: Eb, you certainly may. Okay. Before I start with my comments on the application form. Okay. Okay, Greg, go.
6: Melissa, um, is this something that we can make retroactive or ask for voluntary compliance by? Current applicants under the old process because th- I'm really glad to see this. This is this is something that will also make visibility uh, and transparency much better um, so
4: to address that uh, Retroactive he's already submitted certainly uh, it would be a friendly ask I would think to to fill out any additional information That's not already contained in what he's provided to us or right. Dreamers provided to us so That would be an ask if um, it's something that we think is critical. Okay, Mm -hmm. great, thank you. Okay,
5: does
0: anybody have comments on the uh, forms themselves? I have a couple. Carrie?
9: I've read through these, and I I think generally I I like this idea. I like you know making this. I was like you, was shocked that there wasn't kind of a right standard of this already created. My only thoughts or questions or kind of. More concerning, maybe on the supplement piece, the supplement request form. I'm more thinking about if there's a new business that wants to start. You know, does this potentially hinder them from being a part of this? I know there's a couple pieces in this document that you know ask for like three years of business Mm -hmm. financial reports and things like that. And again, totally understand that for established companies, but if you're a new business that wants to get started at the Lawrence Airport, you don't have that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, I can imagine like a, a new flight, school, yeah, or exactly, like new flight that, school or
9: something like that. That that would do that. That type of does that preclude them from like, just going through this process if they don't have all that information.
4: Um, this is Melissa Sieben again, Director of Municipal Services. It is absolutely not a, a preclusion to a new business. I think it's just an awareness for us. And when you look at um, entering into a long-term lease, um, the city has to have some understanding that you've got the ability to, to pay if you're going to be constructing something on its ground. So it's really a due diligence factor on our end to see that they've been... Working with uh, you know appropriate you know services like you know bankers and you know um, support on their small business as it's getting underway. Thank you. Yep.
0: Okay, Tiffany, you have anything? No, I'm
4: satisfied. Chris.
5: Uh, No, I I really like the form.
0: My only comments are on the main form, um, and under section 1H. I don't see any reference, either on the first or the second page, to fuel services or drones. And I don't know if we need to add that to it. Did I miss it? I know it says other, but it mm-hmm. seems to me fuel is pretty uh, important.
11: Haley, are you able to share it on
4: here, too, or not? So, uh, Clancy, what I'm hearing is you're looking for um, an option under type of activities <coughs> um, yeah. for those yeah. those specific call outs because yeah. of the prevalence of. Well, we know we've got drones already drones, from KU. Yes. So,
0: okay. I'd like to know if we're going to have crashing drones. <laughs> okay,
4: that sounds good, yes. We and especially fuel
0: that. operations, because I know that that is probably something that is definitely going to be looked at in the future for yes. self-serve or other options.
4: And I think that also, in and of itself, the fuel operations is an entirely separate conversation that we're going to have to dive into during yes. the master planning process as yes. well. Yes, so.
0: I agree with that. And then my, my other comment is, I don't see any place on the format for, for example, federal or state tax IDs or federal workers' compensation IDs for businesses that are going to operate. Is that requested someplace?
6: Is it under the C of attachment C that's about corporation qualified to do business in the state of Kansas?
0: There's not a specific request for a federal tax ID number or anything. I don't know
11: how we handle that. This is um, Sandy Day with the planning office. From the site plan side of it, we uh, the information that we request does not include that kind of information. Um, there is an assumption that the applicant coming forward is, is doing the business and doing the, the Taxing and all of that kind of thing. Um, we're more interested on the site plan side of it, um, of building and square footage and sure. parking and employment and, and those kind of components. So that's not a piece that we have really ever asked for, unless there was um, maybe an applicant was somehow involved in um, some kind of you know tax increment financing or or something like that and that would be going through our economic development team. It seems to me that we might
0: want to know that for financial vetting or something like that I don't know how that works with the city. I
4: don't uh, uh, yeah this could be as Sandy was saying a legal question I would unless um, I would say that yes we'll ask our attorneys about that I don't know that. these are set up to be uh, financial analysis documents. Um, they I mean, again tie example, back like to
0: a, like a credit rating or yeah, you land know.
4: use. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let us talk with our consultant okay. about that, but then also get with our attorney on that question. Okay. And it's and certainly think... something. If um, we determine that it's allowable, we could am- amend it. Okay, to bring, to
0: so that's, bring that's just something to put on the table for you guys. Okay. What happens if under some of these attachments, for example, that a corporation um, is not in good standing and can't provide it? What, what is the consequence of that on this application form? I mean, what, what happens if it turns out that they aren't in good standing?
1: Well, Clancy, our minimum standards does have uh, a list of options and reasons for denying an application. Okay. So we should look to that document as okay. well. OK. All right. And going, going back to your first comment on the first Um, I guess it's page three, I've kind of got it pulled up here. Your comment about adding uh, maybe a fuel sales operator, or drone operator, I think those are good points. You know, we were supposed to receive a presentation from Eurotech today on a fuel farm proposal. Yes. Um, And as I read through that proposal, I, I really looked at our minimum standards again in terms of there's a section four in there on operating licenses and operating applications. So we don't have a separate document in that minimum standards to be a fuel operator only. We have a provision in there for being a fixed base operator, which Mm -hmm. includes standards for offering fuel sales, but not just being a fuel sales operator. So I think that's a a good thing to add to the application document if we're going to allow just a fuel sales operator only at the airport outside of not being connected to the the gamut of fixed based operator services.
0: Okay.
6: Does it include it doesn't include uh, the vertical electric vehicles either right that are coming.
1: That might be something to add, as the dynamics of aviation is changing rapidly. Greg, that's a good point. We we may and, want to add that as well. Being a, an EVTOL list. based op facility operator, you mean it's on this list? I
10: no, it's on it. the the uh, the. Is it accurate to say, Scott, that this right? It's on what? Is an amendable document?
6: We had too many people. What talking we recommended, once. right? Yeah.
4: So uh, to the question that that's being asked or the the other um, possible uses uh, certainly we can look at amending them or how generic we need this to be and look at how the current master plan talks and then as we go into this next cycle with the master plan look at how specific we want to get when calling things out um, or things that we may not allow um, just say these aren't aren't allowed use at the airport so yeah. I think I in think July that my
0: 19th memo we did have specifically list looking at the, the EV stuff so as part of the new master plan so Tiffany
10: I think that was my question is there an advantage in keeping this document not as specific so that it can be I mean it can be uh, amended down the line if industry moves that way but in order if for example we want to make progress forward this form can serve until we look at any necessary changes that's also as accurate is that correct
1: Yes. I mean, uh, the document, the application document is really set to mirror the minimum standards. How are you and the city, how are we enforcing our minimum standards? And when new technology and new operations arise, like the Eurotech proposal to just provide fuel operator services, is this something we want to allow at the airport? Okay. If it makes sense, let's amend our minimum standards and add that to the application document.
6: I like thank the you. fact that it has other commercial exactly. aeronautical activity, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, that may
0: take care of the whole problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
6: But having it on the list makes somebody looking at an application go, oh, yeah, I might like to do that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, okay, thank you. Okay.
0: Any other comments, questions? Okay. Um, I think what we need then is a motion to, the next thing is to refer this to the city for review with the one change.
1: The, The action item on the agenda is to, make a rec- recommendation to have staff finalize these these documents and then um, move forward with them. And then, you know, I think at a, your next regular board meeting, right. we could certainly have them a, as part of the agenda to right. present those final application materials to you.
10: Could I have a motion for that recommendation? I will make that motion. Tiffany Hall.
0: Greg seconds? In favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Uh, no opposition, so the motion carries. Okay.
6: So, uh, what? clarifying question. So we didn't just approve them with your changes. We approved them to approve the next meeting?
0: We approve them. to We we recommend that they go for review to the city, and then they'll come back to us at some point, right?
1: Okay.
6: So that means it's delayed.
1: Well, uh, the action item, the motion on the agenda, and if we need to revisit that, we can, was to authorize staff to finalize these materials. If you guys want to see the final application materials before we push them out to Dream Air, then that's going to uh, require us to delay until probably February 7th. I just misunderstood the motion. Yeah. The motion takes care of it.
0: Okay, done. that's fine with me. That's too. what I wanted.
1: Okay, great. So everybody on board with Oh, we
0: on board with
6: that.
1: With that. Okay. Very good. Then staff we got it now. <laughs> we'll work with like I said um, with planning staff to finalize Thank kind you. of that uh, meshing of processes as well and looks like Melissa had another comment here.
4: I was just going to say the the reason I think Scott was offering to to bring it back on the next meeting was just so you could see what the final document looked like okay. as an FYI and that could just be from the airport manager. That's what that's why I misunderstood. Yep, sorry, yep, sorry okay. about that. We'll sorry. I I saw the confusion as it was arising so as long as you're okay, we'll move to finalize with your comments and reconcile yeah, with uh, the site plan with planning department.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, don't it, I don't want anything to slow stuff down. Right. No. <laughs> well, it looks like we have Jeff Coleman on from sunny uh, San Diego. And uh, Jeff, we've had a brief discussion of your application materials. But if you want to uh, kind of lead us uh, through what industry standards are these days and, and how we can um, standardize our processes here in Lawrence for looking commercial applications in, in front of us uh, that'd be great and we thank you for joining us on your vacation Jeff.
13: You bet not a problem uh, always glad to, to support Lawrence for many of you that may not know Lawrence is my hometown even though I've been in Colorado now for 30 years. Um, just uh, an overview uh, we've developed these applications for uh, use with it throughout the industry uh, with the different types and size of airports with one goal in mind. And that is to make sure that the airport sponsor has all of the information that they would typically need to make an educated decision on leasing their land and improvements and allowing for commercial aeronautical activities to take place. Um, these are pretty consistent with Uh, your existing minimum standards and some of the requests of information that you include in there. I'll just note that we are in the process of reviewing and updating your minimum standards. Um, Probably the most important thing uh, and the information that you can use for decision points is that while you cannot unjustly discriminate or disallow um, parties from engaging in commercial activities that are willing to meet your standards. We do believe airport sponsors, both advisory and policy boards, have a fiduciary responsibility to ensure that the parties that are gonna lease your land improvements are proposing a viable business activity at your airport whereby they will be able to pay you the rents and fees that are associated with that. Um, And that's really what this is designed around. If you look at the organization of the application, the type of information that is requested, it really follows a business plan so that you're ensuring that your applicant is thinking through all of the things they need to be doing, uh, but also providing you the information so you can make an educated decision.
6: so when do we ask him questions
0: questions
1: yeah i have one are you able to stand for some questions jeff absolutely got plenty of time
0: okay greg
6: okay greg gardner um in i guess it's page 11 to 47 it talks about fuel services but it's all related to an fbo we are Looking at or maybe going to receive a self service fuel that doesn't relate to an FBO. So, is the language in here going to cover that?
13: So, your um, it's a good question that I don't have the document right in front of me, but I can ensure that it does because this is designed to address both commercial and non commercial activities at the airport. I believe there is a checkbox. Uh, for non-commercial activities, or maybe it says other, uh, and that is where they would propose that. Uh, Keep in mind that this application does not outline the requirements, only the uh, requirements as far as minimum requirements, that's within your minimum standards, this only is asking for information. But uh, it's a a good question that I'll ensure that the final document uh, captures that perspective.
6: Awesome. Thank you, Jeff.
9: You bet. Carrie? might be a general question maybe for Scott. What's the process now of if someone wants to do this? If I wake up tomorrow and somebody I know wants to build something
1: at the airport, what's the, how does this work now currently? Scott, you want well, to that? Well, that's a great question that, you know, I wish. <laughs> we'll
0: try that out.
1: I, and I've told Chin this a few times. You know, I wish I could just hand you this piece of paper, and this is how we do it. We are refining, I would say, our processes, and Sandy can speak to the planning side of things. But we've had Hetrick Air Services out at the airport for 40 years now, and no, and, and Ron, but in terms of new development, uh, we've had a new hangar constructed by uh, Hetrick Air and Doug Compton a few years ago. But we haven't had an application for new construction outside of that existing FBO agreement. So this is new, I would say. And Ron, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in in terms of, you know, applying our minimum standards to a new request for development, uh, I I wish we had worked all these processes out, but we're, um, I would say, refining them, and, and Sandy can speak to that more.
11: So very briefly, the process would be for an applicant, they usually start calling either Scott or the planning office to schedule a pre-submittal meeting. And they will meet with staff. We will schedule a meeting. And we will bring in um, the planners, fire, engineering, um, airport, staff. Um, That's usually the the key component, sometimes the city manager, sometimes our economic development team. And we will meet with the applicant to get an understanding of what it is that they want to do. And we start asking the questions. Is the use permitted on the property? Is the property platted? Where do they want to be located? How does it work with um, the airport layout plan? Um, How does it work with the comprehensive plan? So we start asking those questions, and the applicant usually is going to have to have multiple meetings with staff. So we start with kind of that bigger team, and then there's going to be offshoot meetings. Um, to be addressing certain particular things. Um, We try to have a coordinated approach, um, and it's really reliant on um, a couple of individuals to make that happen. And and that can be difficult if I'm out of the office, if Scott's out of the office, um, the applicant is a little bit hung up until one of us can get back to them on some of these questions.
6: So,
13: this... and if I may just add to that briefly, is that within your existing minimum standards, there is a outline of the application information that is required. And as I mentioned, a little consistent with uh, what we have, but we're going to try to work to expand that. It also talks briefly to a process, but uh, also needing to be updated. And I'll certainly work uh, with Scott and the city to make sure that their intended process is well one thought out two is uh, uh outlined within the updated minimum standards
1: thanks jeff
12: so craig and ma- maybe uh, ron had a comment there i don't
0: oh ron yes
12: hello this is ron Rens. hello jeff haven't seen you for a long time hey. <laughs> ron how are you great uh jeff and i go back a really long way. Used to be in business with his father. <laughs> Anyways, th- historically, uh, what's happened at the airport, it was a very informal process that that worked because the airport was small and the developments were relatively small. Um, and, and the way it worked is, like Janine said, is you, you go to the city, the city says, well, you got to present to the airport board. And that's typically what happened. Uh, somebody that wanted to do business at the airport made a presentation to the airport advisory board okay they gave him some advice the airport manager gave some advice <laughs> and and you know you got to go talk to this person you got to go to this planning you got to talk to this person you got to do that and and it was it was haphazard but it worked because the projects were small okay we i think what what the airport is doing by putting this stuff together is a good idea it will help structure, make it more uh, structure with a lot of good information. That, that I looked at the stuff that Jeff put together. It's like, well, those are really, really good questions. <laughs> Some of them are really hard to answer, but they're good questions. And it provides really, what I think, provides really good information to the city. And, and the way I think the process ought to work from a business standpoint, you know, if I were making a present, is is you got this material, you got to fill all this information out, and then at some point, like everything has happened in the past, I think, it ought to go past the Airport Advisory Board, because the Airport Advisory Board is the knowledgeable experts that we have that are aviation-related. I mean, planners are good at planning, but they don't understand airports, okay? We've got Garver that, depending on the size of the project, should have a say as well. And it sounds like that was, has been more formalized as well. And that's a, I think that's a good thing. And it gives, I think, you as the board the tools to, one, have the right information, have relevant information, to make a decision that can be informed and based on data and facts rather than pie in the sky or innuendo or that stuff. So I think... I look at it from a business owner's standpoint that this is a good idea. It puts structure to it, which helps anybody put something together. They know what's expected. If you know what's expected, you know how to play the game. And that's really what, it makes everybody's job easier, I think. Allows the, the, the city staff to have their input, allows the airport advisory board to have their input, to then make a, proposal, a recommendation to the city no do this or don't do this because here's why it's not just do this or don't do this it's do this or don't do this and here are the reasons why it gives you tools and data and information and if you do things on data it's a lot easier to do thank you ron
0: thank you ron any other comments from the board
12: yeah
6: it's funny but um it's Excel, excellent comments because that was the same comments i was going to make and i, I was actually going to go back and say a lot of the lack of transparency had to do with the fact that we didn't really have these and so i'm um, glad to see it happen and move forward and, well
0: having a baseline like this puts everybody on a level playing right. field, so right. that's all good okay any other comments or questions for uh, jeff
5: i, I go ahead go. chris that's, this is Chris Coleman. I'm a board member. Um, in the process, w- when's the appropriate time to start negotiating the rate on a ground lease? Uh, should that be done up front, or is that something that, that uh, develops as the project develops?
13: Well, there's uh, a lot of different ways to do that. One is that the city can just determine and specify this will be the rate and if a party's willing to lease those land or improvements at that rate, then you move it forward. You can have a more formal bid process where you actually have parties that are interested in the same property. They can certainly uh, go through a bid where you know the highest bid wins, um, or you can have it more open-ended to once you agree in principle about which land, which improvements, what activities, then you can start the negotiation of of what rates. It's important being a federally obligated public use airport. In essence, that means you're receiving AIP monies from the FAA, that you are not unjustly discriminatory in the rates and charges uh, that you charge different parties. So you have to take into account what other people are paying assuming that what other people are paying are market-based uh or cost-based market basis rent cost basis fees
5: okay yeah and that brings me my second question do would we have to have uh something similar to like an appraisal process to determine what the the going rate is in the area
13: i think that in any negotiation uh the uh, lessor needs to have a reasonable basis and understanding of what that market uh, rent is. Yes.
6: Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So I, I was looking, and I didn't get a detailed read of the, whatever it is, 50-page document. Um, but does it address the duration of leases? Um, because aviation airport kind of leases are usually longer term, especially when you're going to build millions of dollars. Um, Does it include uh, a beyond the market-based beginning, does it include um, inflation built into the lease? And is any of that addressed in the standards?
1: Is your question for Jeff? Great. Yes, yes. Because I couldn't no. read the whole 50-page document, I don't. And I can address some of those, Jeff. Know you know, uh, typically a, uh, a lease document would address uh, in, in price indexing per term, uh, that it wouldn't be a fixed 30-year rate. Um, going back to, I think, some of Chris Coleman's questions, Typically, what I've seen at our airport is a 30-year lease, that that would be a minimum that a lot of banks would require. I see Chen shaking his head over there. Um, so, so that would probably be our standard uh, length of term. And Jeff, you can chime in on some of the other questions.
13: Yeah, so just to clarify, you know, the application itself does not address term or lease rates. It's just that you're getting information from the applicant. Your minimum standards uh, currently does not address term or lease rates. Uh, And one of the tools that airport sponsors commonly use will be a leasing rents and fees policy, uh, which does address processes for setting and adjusting rents. And methodologies for determining lease terms—the the length of a lease. The city of Lawrence, the Lawrence Municipal Airport currently does not have that. The only document that addresses that specifically, and it is uh, an agreement between the lessor and the lessee, is the actual agreement itself.
5: Okay, so mm-hmm. hmm.
0: Ron Renz.
12: Yeah. Ron Renz again. I put my business hat on. Um, I think to, to put that kind of information, lease terms and things like that, into the standards, my belief that that's not appropriate. Okay. Because, because lease terms and lengths of lease and inflation clauses all depend on what is the project. If you're doing a hundred million dollar project, or if you're doing a one million dollar project are very very different right okay and and I think that those sorts of things you need to negotiate so that it's fair to all parties because that's what, that's what it has to be um, otherwise it doesn't work from a, from a business standpoint to try to make it specific oh it's got to be this yeah. well maybe that works this year but I think we're trying to put something together that's a that's a document that's not for this year. We're trying to put a document together that is a long-term thing and it's going to be be based on some realities. You know, for example, um, a lot of the leases at the Lawrence Airport now are somewhere between 20 and 30 and 50 years depending on what the project was. Okay. Typical airport leases for projects the size that Chin is talking about are in the order of fifty to seventy years because you've got you 've got to not only satisfy the bank people that are investing the money in the project have got to have a way to make their money back that 's why they 're doing that they 're not doing it to be because they want to build a nice hangar they 're doing it because they need to make money or they see a way to serve the community and make money that 's how the system works so I think to put specific things like that in the in the standards or the or the information is in is not correct okay however it should be up to the applicant to say we need this because okay and it's up to their proposal and what is the proposal how can you know you don't know until you have it okay like are they gonna do their own taxiways or Are they expecting the city to do the taxiways? You know, who's gonna put in the sewer? Who's gonna put in the water? All of that stuff is all part that can significantly affect the cost of the project, and what you give up, if you have somebody else pay for some of your project, you've gotta give something up for that. That's fair, okay? If you don't expect anybody to participate in the project and you're gonna do everything, well then, you ought to benefit from that rather than, rather than not. And so that all depends, I think, to, to, you've got to have flexibility into this so that you can have negotiations that are fair for all parties. Because if it's not, if one party is aggrieved, the project doesn't work. All parties have to win. That means That means the person doing the project, it means the city, it means the community, and it means the customers that are going to use the project. All of those things have to be considered in a proposal. And if they're not, the proposal's missing some things. And therefore, I don't think you need should I don't think you should write that into the, the standards. But it should be up to the applicant to be creative enough to put stuff that makes sense. So that they can they've got it's a sales job. And what Chin is doing is a sales job. Okay? He's trying to sell the city, the airport advisory board, that his project makes sense. Okay? Your job, I think, is to assess, does that make sense from your standpoint? And that's important. It's really important. Okay, Because everybody has to win. Because if one side loses, it's a bad deal.
6: Yeah, I guess I wasn't being very Clear about what I was asking for um, in the application process is that where he the applicant might say I'm looking for a 50-year lease at this at this that's not in the application right now that's kind of where I'm where I'm going I wasn't saying this is what it should be. Um, but,
13: I, be- I believe the application does have a section where they would identify what these terms and conditions that uh, they are uh, interested in requesting from the city. And can, like the other topic, I'll, I'll be verified off, but I believe that is the case. Okay. I
6: just I just missed it, so, and I've got to leave too. Yeah. Okay. Kerry's
0: got
1: to go. No. <laughs> I kept it warm. I do, too.
0: We we're keeping Sorry, our All we're swapping out
1: board members, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, does, does anybody have further questions of Jeff, or can he hop off?
5: No more questions?
0: Jeff, I yeah. think we're done. And David here. Thank you. Well, Scott me. here,
1: too. Thank you for joining us, Jeff, and, and we'll be in touch. My pleasure. Enjoy San Not Diego. Easy.
0: We'll look forward to the next iteration. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye.
6: I apologize. I have to leave to have a doctor's appointment, which you've probably heard all morning.
0: <laughs> Don't forget your glasses. Don't forget, Greg. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Uh, comments from, well, welcome, David. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've maintained our quorum for the day. Um, we um, before you got here, I didn't know if you were zooming in or not. Um, okay. We were down at uh, the board items, okay.
5: Great.
0: and we've already reviewed the um, application materials and made a recommendation and recommendations to the city okay. to finalize those, and now we're just reviewing the airport minimum standards, the last item. Perfect. Okay. So,
1: We're ready for the last item, and we kind of touched on that a little bit airport minimum standards yep yeah um, so our last item is you know, I don't want to dig into the weeds and, you know, we do have uh, Jeff Coleman under contract to update those standards. So really just in terms of process, I guess today would be a chance for the board to uh, provide initial input onto what items you would like to see in terms of those updates, but certainly the process would work for uh, Jeff Coleman's firm to uh, provide those updates. We would get a, a draft of the updated minimum standards hopefully by your next aviation board meeting in February Um, those could be received again marked up uh, possibly finalized by February 7th and then we would refer those to the full governing body to adopt those minimum standards
0: okay questions I have one is he gonna he's gonna be looking at the aerial applicator stuff is that correct
1: that that's correct Clancy. and
0: have we given him direction on the um, fuel, refueling service only option?
1: I think I would l- like to hear from the board on that. Um, okay. Is that something we want to incorporate into the airport minimum standards of just being a, a fuel service provider at the airport um, in absence of being a, a full-blown FBO provider? Yeah. Right
0: now, David, it's it's under an FBO um, okay. right. set up. So, okay, comments? Tiffany?
10: staff recommendation I think this is fine the way it is so I have I have nothing further for it.
5: Chris I, I'm kind of I feel the same way as Tiffany it's it's broad enough that it covers everything and and then as we get into specific details then we can deal with those a, as we go um, rather than trying to put in language to kind of anticipate any potential uh, situation so i i would i would uh, i like the, the path we're on where we're going to have them uh, update it and then bring it back to us
0: okay david
5: yeah no additional comments okay. for me
0: all right i think that's where we are do we need an action on that or just
1: um, no, we didn't them. have an action item on, on that particular um, item, Clancy. Just wanted to, it, it, the look at the minimum standards has just kind of meshed with development of these business application documents. So it's it's good timing to to have Jeff Coleman under contract for this work, and he's a, just a, a great resource. Um, you know, he is a nationally known expert uh, on, Aviation management. He teaches classes through uh, the American Association of Airport Executives uh, all the time on airport management. He I didn't post his resume, but he teaches classes at Metro State University. He, he's just very well known in this field, and I'm thankful that we have hooked up for him. And as Ron Wrenz mentioned, his father previously owned a, a business, a Coleman Aviation, out at our airport. So we're lucky that he also knows Lawrence and uh, knows our airport. So I, I think he's a good resource. Yeah.
0: Thank you. OK. If there is no other business or comment, then um, the next meeting of the Aviation Advisory Board is scheduled for February 7th. There is some possibility there may be a special meeting, but we aren't certain about that yet, depending on Eurotech's request. And um, with that, I'm ready for a motion to adjourn unless there's any other business.
1: I think I would like to just... Add a huge thank you to the aviation board for meeting, uh, especially during the uh, middle of a, a work day. You are all working professionals. We appreciate your time and uh, commitment uh, to the airport. It's it's much appreciated, so
5: thank you.
10: Okay. Our board, in addition, would like to thank you, Scott. Here, here. Yeah.
5: yeah, Scott does a great job. We really appreciate everything you do. Thank you.
0: All right, now do I have a motion to adjourn? I so move. Chris Coleman, second. I'll second. David seconds. We stand adjourned.
11: Thank you. <laughs> and come in. For-